The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Jerusalem. Uh, Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 17 and going through to verse 38 will be our passage. And here Paul has called the elders of the Ephesian church to come so that he can uh, talk with them. Please follow along in the Bibles if you have them in front of you. If not, they will be on the, the screen there. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, sorry, from your from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or God or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. 
they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken. They would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that it brings. Thank you for its inspiration by your spirit. And I ask your spirit to be our teacher today. term legacy is a bit of a, a buzz term around the place at the moment. Even advertisers are trying to get us to consider the legacy we will leave to those after us. It's difficult to say goodbye to someone who you aren't going to see again, isn't it? I don't know if, if you've had that experience. Maybe you've said goodbye to someone who you know you won't see if that was you, if that has been you, how do you know what to say? How do you know what legacy to leave? I mean, it's going to have to be quality over quantity, isn't it? If it's going to be remembered, it's going to have to be of quality. But what do you say? Parents, what would you say to your children if this was your last opportunity to speak to them? Work hard, be good to your mother. Probably doesn't cut it, even though it would be nice. Here we have Paul coming for, with the Ephesian elders, and it's the last time he's going to be speaking with them face to face. He spent three years in Ephesus on his second missionary journey. He got to know these elders. He got to live life among them. And what does Paul say? What legacy will he leave to the Ephesian elders? We notice as we go through that the emotion of the situation is heightened. This is because Paul actually knows the danger that lies ahead for the church in Ephesus. And he wants his words to bring them a sense of assurance, of encouragement, of comfort and direction. He wants them to know who he was as a bloke, as a leader of the church. He wants them to know that his life was all in for Jesus. The message that he has for the church elders is built around verses 25 to 31 now if you can't read that that's fine you're not actually supposed to be able to read that okay that's the whole passage and what you'll notice there is it all centers around that middle part it's all built towards that middle part the middle part is the call that middle part is where he gives the commands to the elders to pay careful attention and to be alert that middle part is like that person you see around the place. It's, it's four degrees in a Brisbane winter and they're in t-shirt and shorts. The question is, why? What's wrong with you? Well, that's what the outside talks about. Maybe that bloke actually grew up in Canada. And four degrees Celsius is a hot summer's day. 
See, if we're going to understand that middle part, we need to understand its surroundings. And so we're actually going to spend the bulk of our time in the surroundings this morning. We're not going to jump too quickly down to what Paul says. So join me as we spend time around. Paul charges the Ephesian church with the care, the Ephesian elders with the care of the church in Ephesus. Firstly, it is because he knows he won't see them again. And we see that in, in verse 25. And secondly, it's because he knows that false teachers, people he refers to as fierce wolves, will come amongst their number and lead people astray. And so Paul's speech to these Ephesian elders is given with that future in mind. And this will serve as an example on which they are to follow, on which they are to model their own ministry. And it will also serve as a standard by which they can measure those leaders who will come after Paul. See, they knew Paul. They knew how he lived. They knew what got him out of bed in the morning. There's a phrase that Paul repeats at the start and at the end. He says, you yourselves know. They're aware. If someone is to come in later and say, well, this is what Paul taught, they go, oh, no, actually, we know Paul. If someone comes in later and says, this is how you're actually supposed to live as the leader of the church, they can say, I know, we actually know how Paul lived. It was a standard by which they could measure others. So Paul's life, how he lived, what he taught, his provision for his companions' needs while he was there, all leave the Ephesian elders with a legacy that is both tangible to them and personal for them. So how does Paul sum up his life amongst them? Well, he starts by saying that he was a man who served Jesus. We see that in verses 18 through 21. It says, You yourselves know how, how I lived among you. The whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened. It happened to me because uh, through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink away, shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that his life among them was not about serving himself, nor was it about serving them, actually. It was about serving Jesus. Paul's service in Ephesus was rooted in the lordship of Christ. Mentions that four times, Christ's lordship. Verse 19, 21, 24, 35. And this gave Paul, this service rooted in the lordship of Christ, gave Paul the freedom to speak and to serve people irrespective of what he felt about them. It's meant his service was not subject to or stifled by 
prejudice, whether that was his own prejudice towards people or whether it was other people's prejudice towards Paul. His lordship of Jesus over Paul's life and his service of Jesus in that context also helped protect Paul from the danger of having a ministry that that serves others in order to profit himself. So there's a link here with what's gone before. He's not serving them so that he benefits from it. He's not like that husband that goes to the shop to pick up a few things. He buys his wife a nice coffee. Looks like he's doing something for her, right? But actually gives him permission to buy one for himself. It's not just me, I hope. See how you, you, you look like you're serving someone else, but actually it's all about what's profitable for you. See, Paul walked the talk that he would later give to the Ephesians in Ephesians 6 verse 7. He served wholeheartedly as if he was serving the Lord, not people. Service that is rooted in the Lordship of Jesus gave Paul freedom to serve. But it also enabled him to endure the trials and the difficulties that would come against him with humility. We've heard in previous passages, previous messages, of the hardships that Paul endured for the sake of the gospel. The beatings, the imprisonment, the mocking, the shame, the rejection. Paul is just simply following the example of his Lord. But Jesus says in Matthew 20, Whoever wants to become great among you, you mu- among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not only did his service that was founded on the Lordship of Christ give him endurance. It also gave him the ability, the conviction to speak the message boldly. See, Paul didn't shrink shrink back from speaking. It's the same sort of word that was used last week in chapter 18 for keep silent. He wasn't silent when it came to sharing the message of Jesus, whether that was in a public space or in a private one. Whether it was to someone who thought they had a good grasp of the scriptures or not, it didn't matter. Paul spoke the truth clearly. See, if it was to to your advantage that Paul would share this message with you, he would speak, he wouldn't hold back. I can imagine Paul would have had many frank conversations with people, with rabbis and with Rahabs. Everyone would have heard the message Paul was sharing. He didn't back down in the face of social or religious pressure. Could you imagine 
having the freedom to serve God? Do you feel like you've got the freedom to serve in that way? In this place? In the community around you? See, Paul, Paul's life among the Ephesians isn't just summed up by his service of Jesus. He was also a man who was driven by the Spirit. It says in verses 22 to 23, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. See, being constrained or compelled by the Spirit means that Paul gave himself over to the leading of the Holy Spirit. This here sits in contrast to the shrinking back of what was declaring what was profitable to people previously. There he doesn't shrink back. He isn't constrained. He doesn't constrain himself. Here it's like he is now constrained, but constrained by the Holy Spirit. It's sort of like, and, and I hope this isn't too much of a stretch for you, it's like Spider-Man when he pulls his mask on. It enables him to focus, to block out everything else and focus his spidey senses on what he needs to concentrate on. Or maybe it's like when you're listening to someone and you're not really good at hearing, so you focus on their mouth so you can clearly understand what they're saying. To being constrained by the Spirit makes Paul focused on and sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in his life. I mean, we can allow ourselves to be constrained by all sorts of things, can't we? And this can even be good things. Often they are related, though, to our comfort zones. Maybe it's a particular small group of friends that we'd like to allow ourselves to be constrained to. Maybe it's a particular way of doing things. Or maybe it's a particular ministry area. Do we get set in our ways, don't we? But this can leave us as people who are insensitive to the Spirit and constrained instead by our own comfort. This idea of getting set can be understood in two different ways. The first way is that that way of the fixing sense, being fixed to something. It's like when you're standing in the shallows of the beach and you sort of wiggle your feet and allow your feet to dig down in the sand so that you can't be moved by the waves in the ocean as it comes. The other sense, getting getting set can be understood by is that get set that the starter says before the running that sense of readiness anticipation for what is to come someone who is truly constrained by the spirit gets the balance of these two right they are firm when it is necessary to be so but they are also ready to move when that is what the Spirit requires. See, the path for the Christian is not all 
sunshine, lollipops and rainbows, is it? The Holy Spirit was very clear with Paul that what lay ahead of him, that in every city he was going to go, he was, the Holy Spirit testified him that his life would be one of imprisonment. His life would be one of affliction, hardship, jail time. Why did Paul sign up for that? Why did he continue to follow the Holy Spirit's leading when he knew that was where he was going to go? Would you sign up for that? Have you signed up? the reason Paul gave himself over to the leading of the Holy Spirit, no matter what it meant, was because Paul was committed to the gospel of God's grace. He says, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of of the blood of all. For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God or the whole will or the whole purpose of God. So the Spirit works with and through Paul in order to make the message of God's grace known throughout the world. And one of the most beautiful places where Paul records for us the message that he shared is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Paul says to the Ephesians, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages we might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. Paul was a man who served Jesus. He was a man who was driven by the Holy Spirit and he was a man who committed himself 100% wholeheartedly 
to the message of God's grace for him and for those around him. And once the Ephesian elders were clear on that, he then takes them to his core concern. It is in that context that Paul then says to them, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Central to Paul's concern for the church is verse 29, my friends. It's the knowledge that men will come to positions of leadership within the Ephesian church who will be like wolves amongst the flock. See, the wolf feeds on the flock. It uses the flock for its own profit. And unfortunately, we probably all know examples of where that has happened in churches. Of wolves feeding on the flock that Jesus has purchased with his own blood. Men who prey on the vulnerable to please their own evil desires. Leaders who have used their position to gratify their request, their quest for power and esteem. Shepherds who would manipulate the flock in order to line their own pockets. This is sad, but no doubt it's true that we all can think of examples of the wolves. The wolves who would seek to come into the flock that Jesus has purchased to serve themselves. And this is a danger that comes from the outside, but it's also a danger that can grow from within. So Paul insists, be careful. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves. Or as he says to Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Church leaders should ask themselves, is my life all in for Jesus? Is he the one I serve? Or am I serving myself? Am I serving someone else with an ulterior motive? Leaders should ask themselves, is the Holy Spirit what is driving my life? Am I sensitive to his leading? Leaders need to also ask themselves, am I truly committed to the gospel of God's grace? Is that the message I declare to people and what I say and how I live? 
it is by grace you have been saved through faith. But that careful attention isn't just for the leaders of the church. See, it's appropriate for the flock as well. Who might be slipping through the cracks? COVID has separated us, hasn't it? It made us spread and some haven't gathered again for different reasons. Who might be slipping through the cracks? Who do you know who might be slipping through the cracks? Who do you know who is steering down a bad path? Who is susceptible to the wolves? See, Paul is not just calling the Ephesians to vigilance. He's also calling them to activity. He says in verse 31, be alert, which also could be translated as like, be alive, be ready, live and be active amongst the flock. See, the picture here is not one of a a rigid guard in a watchtower. The picture is of a, a shepherd moving around amongst the flock. Caring for the flock, helping the flock. Because the flock itself is to be made up of people who are all in for Jesus. The flock is also to be people who serve Jesus. That their, their service is founded in the Lordship of Christ. The flock is to be made up of people who are driven by the Spirit. Is to be made up of people who are committed wholeheartedly to the gospel of God's grace. Luke, uh, Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So let me ask you, are you all in for Jesus? Does your service come from a place of freedom? Are you carrying your cross in the footsteps of the gracious Saviour? Or is your your service stifled by prejudice? Or has it become something that is self-serving? That is you. Let me encourage you to look again at Jesus and to hear his call to come to him. To come to him, Jesus says, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What about what drives your life? Would you say that you are driven by the Holy Spirit? Well, maybe you haven't given yourself over to the leading of God's Spirit because maybe you're fearful of what you might be led to do. Maybe you prefer to be set in your comfort zone rather than to get set ready for action. that is you today, let me encourage you to to lift your feet out of the sand. 
ask the Holy Spirit to show you the, the joy that is in the work that he has set before you. And finally, are you committing to the gospel of God's grace? Have you accepted it for yourself? Are you willing for the Spirit of God to work with and through you to share that message with those around you? Let me encourage you to take Jesus at his word when he comes. Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Are you willing to do that? Would you like to do that? If there is anything that the Holy Spirit has been doing within you as we've gone through this passage this this morning, if he's been doing something in you, can I encourage you to do something about it? to talk to someone about it. If you'd like, I'll be down the front here after the service. If you'd like to talk to me about it, I invite you to come. We'll sit, we'll chat, we'll pray. But make sure you do something about it this morning when we pray. Our loving Father, Lord, we thank you for the example in Scripture that we can read these words today And see how it is so applicable for us. Lord, we thank you for the example of how being people who are, whose service is founded and rooted in the Lordship of Christ, who are driven by the Holy Spirit, who are committed to your gospel. How that helps us to helps us to take care of the flock that you have purchased with your own blood. Father, I pray that you would be raising up men who, who this, for whom this is true in their lives. Raise up men who will lead your church and your people in this way. Lord, we also pray that you would make all of us people whose lives could be described as Paul describes his own life. Lord, we offer ourselves to you this morning. Take us and use us as you see fit for the sake of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.